When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on Earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, and I'm JT Timmons, and that's Patrick. Nice, Patrick. Patrick, right there. Jingles is over there. Jingles is in the corner where yes. he belongs. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Jingles. Matt. Madison loves Jingles. I like the. I I love a villain. <laughs> well, you got one. I Great. do. Yes, I love a villain. Um, well, today we are going to be doing an episode on near-death experiences that have paranormal aspects to it, nice. um, which is pretty interesting because not all near-death experiences uh, have some type of paranormal situation that happens, but a lot of them do. And so we're going to do five today. We'll talk about five of them. Um, other than that, though, before we get into the episode, <clears throat> we would like to thank a couple new Pepper Junkies. So we want to thank Desiree, Jofo, Shayna, Allison Arnold, Anthony Burkhalter, Mr. Shapako, Fabs, Mary Beth, N- and Natasha. So thank you guys so yes. much for joining thank us. Thank you for joining our ever-growing army. Soon yes. we will take over the world. Those, sounds like a, those sound like a bunch of people who hate ads. Yes. <laughs> we, I have been tempted many a time by the no ads on various platforms. It's very true. It's, it's very, yeah, just the idea. I don't have to watch an ad. There are no no ads. You well, say. it's also straight. Yeah, I love it. Well, it's like no ads, and you get new content that you aren't going to get yeah, anywhere Yeah, different else. content that anybody else has. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, which is pretty cool, um, especially because we have covered such a variety of paranormal topics and things like that. So, it's true. Um, and we have all those pictures of JT and Speedos. Yeah, yep. we have a whole Patreon. library of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> Love handles. Love handles. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but who's the real Faye Daddy? It's so, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, oh God, we're really starting this off on a good note. Yeah, we are. Okay. What? Well, anywho, let's get into the near-death experiences. 
really starting our morning off on a lovely note. Okie dokie. So, near-death experiences, or NDEs, often include elements that many interpret as paranormal. While the veracity of these experiences is subjective and varies depending on personal beliefs, the following are five notable accounts that have been reported. So, starting off with number five, we are kicking it off with... The red shoe incident. The red shoe incident. Not the Hans Christian Andersen uh, story in which a ballerina was given a pair of red shoes and then danced to death, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. No, but fun. By the way, Hans Christian Andersen, you okay, bro? The, right? You okay, Is bro? he okay? Are you okay? Yeah, he was really Some going through dark, it. Dark, sad yeah. stories there. Like, breaking my little child heart. Okay, sorry. But yes. But... Honestly, though, we should do a live reading of that story. Just so <laughs> Christian Anderson. Although okay? most ballerinas, I would say, bleed all over their shoes anyways <laughs> from that that's, type that's of dance. Fair, so fair. not far off. But anyways, uh, so the red shoe incident. Um, so this NDE involved a woman who, during her experience, claimed to have seen a red shoe on the roof of the hospital. After she was resuscitated, she mentioned to this to a nurse who subsequently found a red shoe on one of the roofs. So, um, basically, it's a lesser known um, but intriguing near-death experience case mm. that is often cited in discussions about um, vertical perception um, during NDEs. Right. And that refers to the phenomenon where individuals, while near death or clinically dead, claim to perceive events or details that could, couldn't have known through normal sensory means. So Yeah, oftentimes they'll say they actually float above their own body. Yes. They're watching the doctors working on their bodies. Yeah. And so you hear that commonly, but it's interesting because the idea is this one got out of the hospital entirely yes. and saw something on top of the roof. So the woman in this situation, um, her name was never released for privacy purposes, probably for like HIPAA, since it's like in a, you know, doctor's facility. But regardless, um, uh, it happened in a hospital, um, though the spe uh, specific details about the location and the time are not provided in anecdotal accounts on this. But uh, the, re uh, the woman reportedly had a severe cardiac event and was in a critical condition that led to her NDE. And during the NDE, she claimed to have an out-of-body experience in which her consciousness left her body. Oh. And so while in her out-of-body state, she saw a red shoe on the roof or a ledge of the hospital building. The shoe was described in some detail, which could vary depending on the account, but the emphasis was on its unexpected and specific location. So after recovering from the NDE, the woman told a nurse or a staff member about the shoe. And um, the staff member obviously was very curious and reportedly went to check it out and found a red shoe as described. Um, so the specific details um, of who verified the shoe and when it was found or further corroboration are often lacking or varying uh, between accounts. But um, this incident is cited as potential evidence for consciousness being able to perceive events beyond the physical confines of the body. Um, but there is a little bit of skepticism with this particular story. Actually. Uh, because there is um, primarily due to the lack of detailed documentation and verification inconsistencies in the retelling of the stories. But we have others that are a little bit more documented. So that's why this is number five. 
Okay. Um, but and it seems more along the lines of astral projection than anything else. I would agree you know, with at that. that point because the the, the description uh, kind of mimics what we've heard people who who astral project talk about. Yeah, exactly. And astral projection might be like you know step one to your road to death: get out of your body. <laughs> get out of the body. Get out of the body. The body is sinking. <laughs> Please take the emergency exit. Get out of the body. Evacuate as quickly as possible. Follow the lighted path. <laughs> so the next one, though, is Dr. Eben Alexander's experience. So that's number four. Um, so Dr. Eben Alexander was a neurosurgeon and had a profound NDE while in a coma due to severe meningitis. Oof. Um, he reported an elaborate experience involving a journey to a place filled with clouds and vibrant landscapes. This one is also very famous because I believe he wrote a book on this. Um, and so when he was in this vibrant landscape, uh, he met a mysterious woman who communicated messages of love and reassurance to him. His case gained attention because as a neurosurgeon, he argued that his brain was too impaired during the coma, coma to conjure such vivid experiences. Ooh, the perfect person. Mm-hmm. That too. Right. Leading to him to believe in the afterlife. So um, basically, uh, this happened in 2008. And Dr. Eben Alexander was a neurosurgeon with academic and professional credentials. Um, Dr. Alexander fell into a coma due to severe bacterial meningitis. His prognosis was grim and his chances of recovery were extremely low. Wow. Um, His neocortex, the part of the brain responsible for higher order brain functions like thought and sensation was reportedly not functioning. Mm. Wow. And so... So Dr. Alexander described initially being in a place of clouds with transparent, shimmering beings arched uh, arced across the sky. Hmm. Um, he then recounts being in a dark, formless place without memory, language, or time, which he referred to as the realm of the earthworms. Realm of the Interesting. earthworms. I am just a worm. So wow. it's it makes sense. You know, we're... <laughs> but. He couldn't come up with a... You're a doctor. You couldn't come up with a better thing than Realm of the Earthworms. Yeah, right. It's. But I feel like we're suddenly in a Narnia book. Yeah, basically. Welcome to the Realm of the Earthworms. Crawl through the dirt. Mm-hmm. Whenever I think of Earthworms, I think of the movie Godzilla. <laughs> Remember when he's zapping them and they come up? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 JT Always found that very interesting. Like bass fishing on fleek. Oh well, my god! If you could do that, if you could just make earthworms come to the surface, yeah. Well, that's that's your takeaway of the Godzilla movie, hundred <laughs> percent. Just trying to just trying to up my bass fishing game. I see. All right. Well, there you go. Moving along. <laughs> Moving along. So from this place, uh, from this dark place, he recounts being rescued by a spinning um, melodic light that opened up into a world filled with lush landscapes. Hmm. During the experience, he claims to have been accompanied by an unknown female companion who communicated to him messages such as, you are loved and cherished dearly forever, and there is nothing you can do wrong. So he describes a realm he calls the core, where he encountered an all-loving presence and was given insights about the universe and his existence. So um, Dr. Alexander awoke from this coma after seven days Defying medical expectations. He made a a remarkable recovery considering the severity of his condition. 
and the experience profoundly changed his beliefs about consciousness, the brain, and the afterlife, leading him to conclude that the brain does not create consciousness. Interesting. That's very fascinating. That is. Very Especially from a, a, a neural uh, a neurologist. Right. I mean, that, that by itself, because yeah, that defies the very principle <laughs> of that science. Exactly. Um, now, of course, we always have to, for all you people out there who like to hear the skepticism of this <laughs> other side of it. <sighs> Anyways, I like to think that everything he is saying is very accurate to his perception. But some of the medical and scientific communities, of course, say... <laughs> experts. Yeah, experts. The realm of the earthworms. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to fall into a coma so I can bring back some heaven earthworms from my bass. Bruh. But there, these community, some people in these communities are skeptical of Dr. Alexander's account, um, and critics argue that his brain could still have been functioning on a minimal, undetectable level, and that his experiences could be attributed to a brain affected by the meningitis. Whatever. Sure. Well, 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 you guys do not want to believe that. Like, well, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm perfectly willing to believe that. However, um, having brain function hardly negates the experience. Right. The fact yeah. that, and they're like, well, he could have made it up. He could have. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not? But here's an interesting thing. How many near-death experiences talk about the plane, mm -hmm. that specific plane, being greeted by an all-loving yeah. force? So many yeah. are uh, about, you know, traveling to this place that, you know, that, that by description is the heaven, heaven. that, that we, are, we are told about, right. you know, uh, conceptually. Um, which by itself is interesting because that conjuring imagery, I think, is a manifestation of human, you know, uh, uh, determination. We created that heaven, uh, and it's probably a good landing place for your brain when <laughs> when you're when you're processing the fact that you're no longer you. You're you're now in this new mm -hmm. realm, and the fact that you have to travel through the kingdom Plains. of the worms. <laughs> yeah, you got to go through the you got to go through the earthworm land. Um, it makes sense that when we experience something uh, beyond our scope of understanding, uh, whatever forces are out there are going to try to make it right make sense to us. They're going to give us something that doesn't that doesn't seem so foreign mm -hmm. that we can't conceive or perceive. But there's so many stories like this that you're like, okay, this is just a more detailed account than we usually get. This is, you know, there are, there are elements to this that are that that are far more uh, descriptive, because a lot of people they'll, they'll they'll have family members come and see them, you know, the the tunnel, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me because a lot of people talk about going through a tunnel, and the tunnel sounds like this earthworm place, you know, because it's just this dark with this light that they're kind of going towards, and they're like, go towards the light. That whole night, the, that idea that we're drawn to a light. And then the light is usually a cloud, you know, <laughs> beautiful paradise-like place. So I find it interesting that he he came out with such strong convictions, and instead of pulling it apart like a neurologist, he pulled it apart like a theologian. You know, instead of pulling it apart like the scientist that he is, he changed his tune. And became a uh, an advocate of the soul, because this is the big argument in science mm -hmm. is is you know consciousness as a series of chemical reactions inside the computer that is our brain 
versus our soul, our spirit, which inhabits this meat puppet and has all and is the home of the thought and and of the self. Is the self a spiritual entity or is the self a um, uh, a mechanical entity? You know, is the self the pilot of this machine, the human body, or is it this heightened spiritual thing? And it's like, depending on how you want to live your life, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you right. believe because all you have to do is choose one <laughs> or, or both of them and, and spend your life going through it because the discovery of it is not going to come to us, I don't think. I mean, I pray it will, but it probably won't. So you you have to live your life by whatever guidelines you're going to go by. So there's the question. Is our brain the the seat of our consciousness or is our consciousness actually a being that happens to utilize the body to experience this plane? Hmm. All right. So well, I was just going to mention that L is a zoologist. Mm. Awesome. Uh, our paragenic. Very nice. L is a zoologist. And uh, she said that, in all caps, you can bring earthworms to the surface. Yeah. And I asked, of course, how? How would one safely do it? And uh, L said it's called worm grunting. You oh, I've heard a, of this. You, you put a stick slash pick, and you didn't care to share this with me. Uh, you put a stick slash pitchfork in the ground and rub it with another stick to give the illusion of rain. Rain. So they wriggle to the surface. It's so weird, but you should look it up, and I will, and I will yeah. master it, and I will forever bass fish. Right. Yes. By the way, I've, I've said this before, and I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm very tall now, but when I was a child, I saw a lot more worms than I do as an adult. When I was a kid... Right? I saw so many. After every rain, there was there were worms on sidewalks. There were worms right? just thrashing about. But as an adult, I never see worms. They don't want us. I and it's like, are worms magical beings? Are they? <laughs> are they only for children, full of wonder? It's probably right. because we all it, we all just came from the earthworm realm. So they're like, what's up? You well, know, it's it's, it's like, kind of weird yeah. because I'm like, uh, could it be that we're over, you know, uh, fertilizing and chemicalizing our, our our ground and the worms aren't there anymore? But I swear, when I was a kid. Weird. We could just go around with a bucket and fill yeah. it with worms easily. You know, always sure. see a worm. You see a worm on the sidewalk. You're like, oh, that worm is going to fry. I've got a, even dead yeah, worms. You, I saw yeah. a lot of dead worms when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I see no worms. Well, I save worms that are about to fry. Yeah, because oh, you don't want them the to be on 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 the sidewalk. You're like, yeah, you know, worm. This is not. This is not. This is not for you. See, I'm thinking, you know, life for the worm, <laughs> and you're thinking food for the fish. Yes. Well, <laughs> I am a worm. So worm. I there. am a worm. Yes. All right. Well, moving on to another <laughs> another shoe incident, but this is Ooh. the case of Maria's shoe. Maria's shoe. Yes. Ooh. All right. All right. Bring it. So, in a widely reported incident, a migrant worker named Maria claimed to have an out-of-body experience during a cardiac event in a hospital. During this experience, she said she floated outside the hospital and saw a tennis shoe on a window ledge. After she recovered, Maria described the shoe in detail and a social worker and nurse reportedly went to check and found the shoe exactly as Maria had described. What's up with the shoes in these out-of-body experiences? What's also up with shoes in weird places at hospitals? Right. I mean, what, what is going on in the hospitals that people are like, what, throwing shoes at the hospital? Maybe. All the climbing on the roof and taking their shoe off? All the critics were like, what brand's your drone? <laughs> Bruh. Anyways. So, um, <clears throat> so 
some background. Um, the woman was known as Maria, who was a migrant worker in the U.S., and the incident occurred at Harbor View Hospital in Seattle. Um, Maria reportedly had a heart attack and was brought to the hospital where she had an NDE. During the experience, Maria claimed to have left her body and floated outside the hospital building. While in this out-of-body state, Maria said she saw a tennis shoe on a ledge outside one of the hospital windows. She described that she was being dark blue and with a worn area over the little toe and a lace tucked under the heel. After Maria recovered, she told her social worker, Kimber- Kimberly Clark, about the shoe. Intrigued by the story, Clark decided to investigate. Clark reportedly went around the hospital and eventually found a shoe matching Maria's description on one of the ledges. Notably, the shoe was on a ledge that was not easily visible to patients and staff, and Maria's physical condition would have made it impossible for her to have seen the shoe prior to her NDE. Hmm. This became one of the more famous in NDE studies because it suggested that Maria had received real, verifiable information that she could not have obtained through normal sensory channels. The case of Maria's shoe remains a compelling story in the and uh, and the um, the context of NDE research. It's frequently discussed in the context of consciousness studies and debate and the debate over whether consciousness can exist independently of the physical brain. However, due to lack of concrete evidence beyond anecdotal accounts, the case is also subject to skepticism and debate, obviously, as with any NDE, because it's all based off of just personal experiences. But very interesting though and um way more it's just weird that people are having these experiences of shoes i don't know why shoes are fascinating in in that they are so easily to recognize when they're out of place yeah right shoe on a roof or you know hanging from a a power line or you know something like that you almost immediately like if you're driving down the road and you see like a shoe in the middle of the road you immediately like oh something went down right (laughs) it's like that person is not well maybe they're seeing shoes because they're seeing their souls ah 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 drink by the way we are taking a sip of our coffee every time jt drops a horrible dad joke you're gonna need more coffee oh yeah i know we've already been through five cups yeah (laughs) well um next one is pam reynolds's case so this is probably one of the most famous ndes of paranormal aspects um In 1991, during a brain surgery for a large aneurysm, Reynolds underwent a hypothermic cardiac arrest. Despite being clinically dead with no brain activity, she later described an out-of-body experience where she observed details of the operating room, heard conversations between the surgeons, and reported moving towards a light and communicating with deceased relatives. So, Pam Reynolds was 35 years old and um, from the U.S. It happened in 1991, and Reynolds was diagnosed with a giant... Um, Balasar artery aneurysm, Whoa. a life-threatening condition. Holy crap! That that's so scary at 35. Holy, yeah. Mm. Well, like I, there's there's some terrifying statistic that like yeah. one out of ten people have an aneurysm in their head, and it, you know, it doesn't. They don't all rupture, right. so you can go your whole life without ever knowing you have an aneurysm. But it's just a ticking time bomb in your head, Ooh. and it can't go off at any point. 
That's so just good. a terrifying. That's so good for my anxiety. Yes. <laughs> Welcome had, to new things you didn't think to be afraid of. I had a, uh, a brain tumor and I got it removed, and so I've had so many MRIs that I feel like they would have they would have found yours. aneurysm. So yeah. I think I'm in the. I think I'm in the clear. Well, you you Says already the had man who had a brain tumor. Right. Well, the brain tumor was back? enough. My my dude. My, just once dude, is enough. He cut that. He cut that. Thing out, I almost called them, but he caught that thing out, and it's you know. And, My and sister had a brain tumor, and a year later, it had returned, mm. and it had oh, really? filled the void. Yes, because yeah. they didn't want to. Yeah. They didn't want to touch that. the brain yeah. when they they cut it out, so they left like the thinnest sliver mm. of it, and it was um a dermal cyst, mm. which is mm. basically like the DNA package for another person, like she was a twin that she, you know, swallowed, um, but. When she went back for her checkup a year later, you know they they ran the scan and it was back and bigger than it was oh, when they removed geez. it. Dang, that's gross, horrifying, very horrifying. The brain is a weird thing. It's it really a weird place. So, weird. Um, so with the surgery, she underwent a rare and risky surgical procedure known as a hypothermic cardiac arrest or standstill operation at the Bar- uh, Barrow Neurological Institute in Phoenix, Arizona. This procedure involved lowering her body temperature to 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 15.5 degrees Celsius for y'all on the metric system. Um, Draining the blood from her brain to collapse the aneurysm and then repairing it. That's so scary. That is nightmarish. I would like to also say how fitting that it was Phoenix, Arizona. Right. Where, you know, Phoenix rise from the ashes. Yeah. Yeah. Her, um, her heart was stopped and blood flow to the brain was ceased, resulting in a state where she had no brain wave activity, flat EEG. So the out-of-body experience during the operation, Reynolds reported an out-of-body experience, and she claimed to have observed the medical procedure from above, even recounting how the surgical instruments looked and how the surgeons used a bone saw to open wow. her skull. Holy crap. Her descript- I would not watch that. I would <laughs> like, not oh watch that either. Oh, no, that's my head. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, can I go to the earthworm realm? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Where are those earthworms? <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Her descriptions of these instruments and their use were highly accurate. Um, she... Uh, Reynolds also described moving through a tunnel and encountering a bright light. She recalled meeting deceased relatives and friends, including her deceased grandmother, who welcomed her with a loving presence. She stated that she felt a decision point where she could choose to return to her body or move on into the light. She chose to return to life. 
So after the surgery, Reynolds told her story describing the unique surgical instruments in conversation, which were verified by the medical staff. This level of detail was particularly intriguing because she was under general anesthesia and her eyes were taped shut during the operation. Wow. So her case attracted significant interest from both the medical and paranormal research communities. Sure. Uh, it raised questions about consciousness and the nature of human experience during near-death situations. And some skeptics and neuroscientists uh, suggest that her experiences could have been the result of residual brain activity. That's all they can say. They're like, well, maybe there was like an element of her brain still functioning. But nah, that's like BS. Yeah. Well, one of the main issues is I feel like we don't have a firm grasp on how the brain works. Right. No. Like there's so many aspects of consciousness, of brain activity. Yeah. Um, you know, It's the deep sea ocean of the body. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's so much undiscovered potential and undiscovered uh, processes uh, because there's so many, you know, we, without seeing the electric activity in the brain, we think the brain is dormant. Uh, but who's to say that there's not some physical aspect to it that doesn't require electro, you know, how do we know it's not on record? Yeah. You sure. know, how do we know th these things? And it's a process that we, we don't have a gauge for or that we don't have tools to measure. Um, so, you know, even, even if it's that scientific, you know, um, balking that happens, it's like, well, maybe the brain at some small level is still, uh, you know, functioning. It's like, well, isn't that miraculous? Isn't that amazing? Right? Yeah. You know, are you saying that that's not incredible? That Magic. the brain is capable of such uh, discernment that it can recognize things with the eyes taped shut, with nothing yeah. but the sound? Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that maybe, you know, we're overlooking the fact that this person might be tapping into the minds of the people around her, that mm -hmm. she's now, you know, uh, entering a hive mind, the cosmic consciousness. Isn't it intriguing and interesting that the, the tunnel gives you a choice? Because I've heard that yeah. many times over, that the near-death experience comes with a choice. And that that choice is you can go back or you can go on. And... The stories that we hear are, of course, the people who decided to come back. But the fact that the decision exists suggests some greater attribute to the human will. Because even if it's not, you know, a, a, a paranormal afterlife thing, so many people who have these experiences are obviously making a choice. Mm -hmm. And that choice is superseding medical science. It's superseding right. what people understand about the human body and the human condition. So, yeah, I, I – I find it fascinating that, yeah, the only argument mm -hmm. they can have is on some level that we can't perceive <laughs> yeah. the brain is functioning. Exactly. It's like, that's incredible. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, dare I say, magic. magic. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's what you get when you get when you listen to this podcast. Yes. So um, <laughs> We're not science deniers, by the way. No. Science is real. Get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> Stop, you know, uh, polluting everything. Yeah. But I, I'm very for science. I, yeah, I, I, I love, love science. I think science is amazing. And I also think that science is mostly uh, a desperate definition of miraculous and magical things. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the point of this podcast. No, we're, it's not. we're here to talk about the <laughs> paranormal and supernatural. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here for Pam's experience. But yes. anyways, um, so 
basically to conclude that before we go into number one, uh, Pam Reynolds's case remains one of the most compelling and well-documented NDEs contributing significantly to the debate about consciousness after clinical death. And not a single shoe. And not a single shoe is involved. Shoe. <laughs> um, it challenges our understanding of consciousness, particularly in cases where brain activity is apparently non-functional. Like, I mean, she literally had a flat EEG, so yeah, it's like that's pretty. It's pretty. It's crazy. pretty. Con- yeah, it's compelling. It's that, compelling that, it really that, that there could be anything in the absence of that activity. Exactly. So, despite various interpretations and debates, Reynolds's experiences continue to be a key reference point in NDE studies. Now. Cool. Moving on to number one. Drum roll. Oh, there it is. This one is referred to as the man who met his deceased brother. So there's a documented case of a man who, during cardiac arrest, had an NDE where he met his deceased brother with whom he had a strained relationship. Um, the brother conveyed a message of forgiveness. What made this case noteworthy was that the man was unaware that his brother had passed you away a few days di- or prior as the family had chosen not to tell him yet due to his medical condition. Ooh. Mm. That crazy. Yeah. So, um, the ma- a, that also, uh, plugs into the unfinished business aspect of ghosts that we right? oftentimes talk about. You know, uh, when somebody dies in this unfinished business, resolving issues with family could be a very compelling unfinished business for a spirit. I could, I completely agree. Um, so this man's identity in most accounts has remained anonymous due to prim- uh, primarily privacy reasons, but he experienced a life-threatening event often described as a cardiac arrest or a severe medical emergency leading to the NDE. Um, so during his NDE, the man reported an encounter with his deceased brother. This was unexpected and emotionally profound for him as their relationship had been strained. The brother conveyed a message of forgiveness and reconciliation. This aspect of the experience was particularly moving for the man as it addressed unresolved emotional issues between them. Crucially, the man was not aware that his brother had died. His family had not ch- had chosen not to tell him about his brother's death, thinking it would be too much for him to handle given his medical condition. So following his recovery, the man reportedly experienced a significant emotional and psychological transformation, largely influenced by the encounter. The post-NDE realization that his brother had indeed passed away added a layer of intrigue and mystery to his experience, as it seemed to validate the reality of his encounter during the NDE. This case is often cited in discussions about the paranormal aspects of NDEs, especially the possibility of genuine encounters with deceased individuals. Um, Although, here's your skeptic point of view. There always is one. Yeah, well, I I like to throw it in just for... It's per, important, and, yeah. and, and not to say Even that if it's wrong, <laughs> not to say that any of this isn't worth scrutiny and isn't worth right. the skeptic point of view. Um, we are definitely playing up our, our our dismissal of the skeptic's point of view. Yeah, um, we we can respect skeptics, but come on, but come on, that's crazy. <laughs> respect skeptics, but skeptics. Yeah, so the argument the skeptics have is that he uh, that the encounter was a hallucination or a subconscious manifestation of his guilt and desire for reconciliation with his brother. But how would he know that his brother is dead? That would be a really random thing to right. choose out of all of the ether yeah, of things yeah. that you can think about when you're in a near death experience. Because you would almost think that his if he, if he was coming up with that. Right. He would go to his brother who was alive. He'd go. He would be the ghost 
reaching out to his live brother. If 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 you're working on the premise that he was having this out of body experience, why would he think that his his dead brother was coming to him when he could be going? You know, wouldn't that be the reconciliation? Wouldn't that be the the mm-hmm. the the course of guilt? Would be to go to the person you've wronged or to the person you have something you know right. strained with. Exactly, so it's, it's, it's it's interesting. Absolutely, um, and so. Like many NDE stories, this case offers a blend of deeply personal emotional experiences with elements that challenge conventional understanding of consciousness and death. It's a poignant example of how NDEs can have profound lasting impacts on individuals influencing their beliefs, emotions, and perspectives on life and death. So with that, it seems like everybody's NDE has a variety of different outcomes, um, and it, it might also be worth noting that the ones that are close to the, um, the uh, proximity close to uh, the patient might dis- might be because of the um, the level at which they are in peril, how close to death they are. You know, if somebody is further along. You know, more likely not to survive. Perhaps they get all the way to the plane. Right. But if they're close enough to be brought right back, they may get as far as, you know, the shoe on the roof. You know, they may not have the whole experience. So it's possible that there are levels of the NDE, (laughs) levels of the NDE that are contingent upon uh, how how in peril you are of actual dying or, or when when there's little hope, you start going through, you know, earthworm realm. Exactly. But when there's, you know, um, when there's a, a, a heightened chance of survival, maybe you only hover around the body. Right. And you see shoes. And you see shoes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was just somebody trying to escape from the hospital. Like, I'm Maybe a tight- we should go to um, one of the hospitals and, and put a shoe on the roof. Ooh. Or you know, on a windowsill somewhere, and see what happens, and, and then just wait to see if 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 a story surfaces. I actually mm-hmm. think I know someone who works at St. Joe. Ask me to put a shoe on the roof. Yeah, yeah. take your clog off and put it on the roof. <laughs> not, not your shoe. No, you know, get well, a shoe. Go to Goodwill. Get a red shoe. Get a red shoe. Get a shoe that that, that really can be described. Yes, red Converse and write a word on it in Sharpie. Mm-hmm. There you go. Just like a magic hey, trick. Hey, dead person. Right there. <laughs> Half dead. Half dead. <laughs> almost dead. You're almost dead. <laughs> Patrick. Just Patrick. Go back and tell them about the shoe. Tell them about the shoe. Tell, tell them about the shoe. That that would be trippy. But regardless. Um, yeah. It, nonetheless, it's a very compelling um, bit of paranormal intrigue. And I think a lot of our understanding of what's after this comes from these NDEs. Absolutely. You and, know. And and the question is, are these NDEs also influenced by our expectations of what comes next? Right. You know, um, they basically illustrate an idea that, you know, it, it doesn't take, like, faith to build an afterlife. We just are inundated. You know, we, we whether you are a devout uh, person or not, you know what heaven's supposed to look like. You've seen enough depictions. You've heard enough stories. You have enough information to facilitate that in your mind, to lock it away. And you might be experiencing this amalgam of all of these cultures that have illustrated what heaven is supposed to be or what the afterlife is supposed to be. And that's coming through in these NDEs. 
I completely agree. So, well, there you go, y'all. That is the top five stories of NDEs or near-death experiences that have paranormal aspects. Uh, So thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Um, If you have a ghost story that you want to send us, you can send it to ghostmail at hondacitypodcast.com. Or uh, if you are looking to join us and see more content and all the fun things, join us over on Patreon um, as well. So thank you guys again. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Lucy. And stay spooky, y'all. Yeah.